Hello, everybody. And uh, we're glad you're with us as we continue on in the study we're doing through the New Testament. Right now, we're in the book of John. And uh, we've been uh, working through, we've done Matthew, we've done Mark, we skipped Luke, we're going to come back to it. We're working through John right now. Then when we're done with John, we're going to go back and hit Luke, and then we'll do Luke and Acts together. That'll take us through a big chunk of the remainder of of this year. Um, And you remember, I told you it's a, it's a five-year journey to get through the New Testament a chapter at a time, a week at a time. It takes five years. So, but it, you know, it, it, I think it'll be fun. And then following that, we're going to do 15 years and get through the Old Testament. Okay, so we have the next uh, 18 and a half years mapped out for us. And so don't miss. <laughs> you know what I told you when we started? My gig was, all right, 20 years. Uh, I think, Lord, if I could do that twice, that would be great. Because I'm 50, almost 50. So, um, the, uh, it's a good time, too, to be looking through these chapters of John, because it's all about the final hours, uh, which is what we celebrate uh, and, and what we remember as we lead up to uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. So all these events that we're talking about are, are very timely and uh, would be unfolding next week, uh, you know, historically, as to what's happening, so it sort of gives us a time frame. And, and you'll also hear me talking about um, these chapters again this, this weekend because they're so timely and, and relevant. And really, if you were to read John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, you get the Easter story. And uh, Sunday, I'm actually going to ask everybody to try and do that the following week. Take a, a chapter a day and read through the entire Easter story. But we've been breaking it down and talking about it. And um, we're going to continue to talk about it. These, these, um, these chapters are the, the last little bit of time that Jesus has left before he goes to the cross. And he's, he's spending this time with his disciples. And he's trying to lay out what life is going to look like for them. And he's, he's uh, as we looked last week, he's spending a lot of time encouraging them. This weekend on, on Sunday, we're going to talk about how he prays for them. In John 17. But he's trying to prepare them. And remember we've said that they, they're really struggling with the whole concept. Because they have not yet broken through the paradigm that he's, a, he's going to set up a political kingdom. And they keep thinking that at any moment, because they've seen the power, they've seen the miracles. And they're, they're convinced that's, that's what he's come to do. And he's told them over and over again, no, this is what's going to happen. And he's, he's, he's been telling them he's going to the cross. And they just, they can't quite comprehend it but he's trying to prepare them now for for leaving them and he's he's encouraging them before we get into the the scripture and i want to read it uh, i just wanted to pass on something you're the you're the first group i really talked about i've been praying <clears throat> this last week uh, about something and uh, i really felt like the, the the lord sort of impressed on me um that that uh, the, one of the main things that we could really do as a as a group of people is to um, really excel in encouraging, to become people that encourage um, well, to make it uh, like a, to, to go out of our way to encourage others. And that the ministry of encouragement is, is actually, you know, something that we can, we can look at in the future and do some studies about. But really been praying about what that looks like. And, and, uh, and, and I come to this because of all this encouragement that Jesus is giving his disciples. And I think that we have to really take a look at it. And I sort of come up with this, this two little pronged idea that I want you to think about 
and uh, be praying about because that's what I'm doing right now. But uh, to, to really get this thing of encouragement down, this is, this is the two things that I think we have to do. The first thing that we really have to work on is, is the whole idea of not complaining um, and being less critical. And, and I think it's very simple and easy for us to uh, naturally look at something and that one of the first things we do is, is see what's wrong with it. But, but my prayer is that God would change our perspective and rather than see that as the first thing, we see everything good with it first. And then hopefully we won't have time to get to the complaining. For example, I drove over to the bank this morning and I've been praying about this stuff for, seriously for a week. And, and um, it's a nice new little bank over there on the corner, the Tib Bank. And yet, um, I don't, uh, I've been frustrated by the parking lot. Because I can, there's always cars where I want to turn in. I have to go around. The parking lots are tight. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, they should put some spots here and change this. And I, and I finally stopped myself and I thought, man, <laughs> look at me finding little things to complain about. I'm just, it's a nice new bank. It's a good, why am I even worried about? Why is this hitting me? And it's these kind of things that I think we have to think about. The, 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 that we have a tendency to look at things with a negative spin on them. And, and so does the world around us. And so it has to start there. We have to ask God to give us a perspective to see the good in things instead of seeing the bad in things. And um, to really be grateful for what we have instead of being focused on what we don't have. Because I think that's the other problem is that, that we get plagued with that, that primarily we get focused on what we don't have and we, we don't get to enjoy what we do have. And so, so I think it has to start there. And then the second part of this thing, because um, we have to work on that. I, I know I do. I, I can't speak for you, but, but I, I know I want to work on that. The second thing that I really feel like I want to work on is, is this, that I want to be proactive about encouraging people. And so I'm, I'm, I just came to this today, so you're getting this pretty fresh. Every day I want to go out of my way to encourage at least two people. To, to not just run-of-the-mill stuff, to actually play, pray and ask God, God, would you put two people on my heart today who, who I could encourage somehow? And whether that means I give them a phone call or I text them, if you do that, or I email them or I write them a letter or whatever it is, but God, give me two people to, to really encourage today for something. And, and I want to make that my daily habit. And maybe it'll grow and be a lot more. But, you know, you shoot too high, you don't get it done. How about two? And my hope would be that they would buy into it as well at some point. And they decide to encourage two people. And maybe those people would encourage a couple of people. And I think we could have a tremendous impact on a very negative, grumpy world. Do you find it to be sort of a grumpy world? I do. And, and I don't want to add to it. I think I get caught up in it all the time. And I don't want to think that way anymore. I want to, I want to make a difference. So um, I'm tossing that out to you. Repaying about that. And I'll probably deepen this uh, in time uh, because it's just now sort of in the prayer process. But, but that's what I'm going to start trying to do. Every day I want, to, I want to encourage at least two people. I hope to do a whole lot more. But I mean specifically two people. And, and, uh, and, and we'll see what happens. So if that's something you think you want, pray about it and see. See if you want to do it, and, and we'll go from there. But uh, anyway, Jesus is encouraging his guys. And, and they're coming into some really heavy stuff. So let's read John chapter 16. There's 33 verses. Uh, I will read them uh, out loud. You can follow along in your Bibles. There's Bibles there in the rows, or there, it's in the notes. 
Or if you have your own Bible, you can turn and follow along. I'm reading out of the NIV. If you've got a different version, it'll be a little different. But here we go. John 16, verse 1 and following. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he's offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? And because I'm going to the Father, they kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve But your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone to ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. You believe at last, Jesus answered. There's a little irony in that statement. That's okay. But a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered each to his own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. 
In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay. So, John 16 starts out um, in a, kind of depressing, really, uh, if, you, if you let it hit you that way. Because um, what he tells the disciples is that they're going to face persecution. And, and uh, uh, as his disciples today, we've talked about that, um, we will experience persecution. Sometimes it's in real small things. Um, you know, for us, primarily in our culture today, uh, most of the persecution is sort of being the butt of jokes, um, uh, being portrayed horribly by um, television and movies. And it, is it, anytime I see something, a movie or a TV show that has a Christian in it, I know it's, that the Christian is going to be absolutely off the charts terrible. <laughs> and they're going to act one way and be perceived completely different. And it's, a, it's never, a, I've never seen, it's never a good thing. And um, we tend, I think, to be ridiculed quite a bit for our beliefs. And yet, you know, if that's, if that's persecution, that's, that's really not that big a deal, is it? Um, there are many places in the world today where, where people are martyred for their beliefs, where they have it far worse, and persecution is way off the charts. Imprisonment, death is commonplace, uh, even in the world today. A lot of people don't think that, but there's as many martyrs going down today as there's ever been in history um, for standing for Christ. And so this happens all over the world. So um, this is, uh, Jesus is saying, listen, this is part of um, what it looks like. And um, all of his guys have a bad end uh, in, this, in this journey that they're on um, and, and, and face all sorts of persecutions. And yet he, he tells them uh, that, that they're going to have two things along the way, joy and peace. And you think, well, that's, how is that even possible? What happens? Well, he, he makes it possible uh, by saying to them, listen, I have to go for you, but it's good for you that I go. That had to be some re- really crazy news for them to hear because they didn't want him to leave. They wanted him to set up a kingdom. Um, but he's saying, no, it's good for you that I go because unless I go, I can't send the counselor to you. So he's saying he's going and he's sending the Holy Spirit. And because of the Holy Spirit, even in the midst of living in a fallen world on a broken planet, we'll be able to experience a measure of joy and a measure of peace in this world. Now, the Holy Spirit in us um, is, is part of the reason um, that, that these things happen. See, that the, as, as, we are, um, as we yield to the Spirit and we begin to grow in Him, uh, things should begin to happen in our lives. And, and we should be changed uh, in, in such a way that we, we tend to um, love more. Uh, we love God more and we love each other more. And we've already said that this is one of the things that the world will know. One of the ways the world will know that God is real is that, that by the love that we have for each other. And that it's not something that we can whip up in the natural, that this is something that the Holy Spirit works in us. And begins to soften our hearts and allows us to become and, and operate in the sort of love that God has, an unconditional, unselfish sort of love that, that we have to learn and grow in, and the Spirit leads us in that. 
And that the Spirit also uh, allows us to understand the Word that we need to live by. He gives us wisdom to figure out what this looks like in the kind of lives that we're supposed to live. And, and because of the Spirit in us, um, we'll begin to stand out in the world. Um, now, because some people don't like that, that's where the persecution comes in. And, and um, that's where, where some of the problem is. But see, um, the Spirit of God living in us allows us to be a witness for the truth and the glory and the life of the living God. I said this last week, and I, I wanted to get it um, back, because sometimes the Christians, as Christians, we can run to one of two sort of areas that aren't good for us. Um, and the church has bounced back and forth and, and at the same time goes in these extremes. One extreme is that we become so conformed to the world and its values that there's no real difference any longer. That, that perhaps the only difference is we, we show up to church, uh, you know, on Sunday or something. And yet there's really no noticeable difference in, in the way that we live and the way that the world around us operates. Because we just completely buy into the culture. That's one extreme. And what happens when that happens is it, there, it leaves no witness of God in the world. Because if you're no different than the world culturally and and in lifestyle and everything else, what's the difference? The other extreme is afraid of the corruption of the world. Sometimes Christians think what they need to do is isolate and pull away so that they can't be messed up by that. And yet that ends up with the same result. No effective witness in the world. And so what God wants from us, and and we've looked at that, is to be his ambassadors. We're to be um, in this thing. Um, living with people, um, believers and, and unbelievers, and, and allowing the Spirit of God to cause us to grow and to become a light and to be salt into this world. Um, that, that people can know that there is a God and that He's around and He's doing things today. And that, that only happens as, as we decide and, and cooperate with the Spirit to be that living witness. Um, because we know, like Jesus knew, we know what our future holds, we're able to step back and say, God, it's really all about you. The bigger picture here is that this is all about you. And so I have to trust in the fact that you're going you're gonna to work into every situation and that you can take every situation and cause it to good. Somehow you can bring glory into the situation. Does that mean that everything goes my way? No. Um, because it doesn't. But it means that somehow God is able to use our lives for far more than we could ever have imagined because of the privilege we have of being his children, his disciples, his ambassadors. And so um, we, we have to choose to live in the pressures of this world, in the pain of this world, because in this way, God can reveal his glory in our lives. And, and the reason that we can have joy and peace is because the spirit of God is with us. And he helps us through. He leads, he guides, and, and he, he, he allows us to move through every situation. God's able to take and use things. I'm, I'm amazed at how often he takes the most broken areas of our lives. And he uses those areas for us to help other people that are going through those situations. That's the redemption of God. That's, that's why he takes things we don't understand and, and, and brings them about. And how... Um, we we might experience persecutions. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 
I don't know what your families are like. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And so, I, like I said, I never, I never remember going to church. I don't have any church memories. Um, other than a couple times in high school, staying with a friend who was a Catholic and going to, to Mass with them because they made us, but just playing games and, and honestly shooting the bird back and forth to the guy I was with and, uh, <laughs> and trying to hide it in church. Um, I remember that vividly. So, um, but, you know, I was, I was young. That was like a year and a half ago. No. Um, uh, although the other day I found, looking through some records, I, I was baptized as a kid, never knew that. At a church of Christ, never knew, saw the little record there. So I don't, the parents figured, I guess that was important. But no, um, no church background, no church experience, nothing. When, when I first uh, became a Christian, um, there was, I don't know how to put it, but, but the families on both sides were a little negative. <laughs> And, and uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced that coming into it. And I think part of it was my fault. I went a little extreme when I first got saved. And, and uh, as, as some people are, sometimes that happens. There was so much, I got saved, you know, I was so, I was in such a mess that coming to Jesus was so cool that I felt like I needed to tell everybody about what he'd done. And, and, and this extended into my family. And, you know, they, 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 uh, I think they all figured it would just pass. And it took like a long time before they realized it wasn't going to pass, especially after I went back to school, got a degree in theology and Bible, started working full time in the ministry. Still wasn't. Oh, that's a it's going to pass. <laughs> At some point, like 15, 20 years into it, I guess they figured, oh, I guess that's what he's going to be and do. So it changed. But, you know, persecu- I remember uh, with, my, with my in-laws, we had the same situation. We were in this family thing. And I, here's what's funny. And this is the, why I brought the story. My, my, my father-in-law, who's now gone to be with the Lord, but at the time, that would have been questionable. And um, <laughs> it's not my decision, but I know he's fine now because we prayed after this. But, and my brother-in-law, they were just really on me about being a Christian. They were saying things about Jesus and me, and it was really unkind in me. And I just, whatever. I let it take. And what's funny is, if you ever experienced that, because I just sort of gave it to the Lord, and I didn't retaliate. Just, well, God, you know, you know, whatever. And I wasn't really saying much. They just were after me. Um, they were the first two in the family that got saved. <laughs> boom, boom. So um, um, those things happen, but we'll face those things. But the, the deal is that, that it's, it's okay because we know the Spirit of God is with us, and, and He can use those things, and, and, and he, he does use them all the time. And so, so we allow that stuff, and we understand that stuff, and we embrace that stuff, um, hoping that our lives, even though we're not perfect, and, and I've told you lots of times, don't want to some, some sort of pretend life where people think I have it together when I don't, but have a real life where they understand that I'm struggling with the Lord and yielding to the Spirit and growing in that process. These are the things that have to happen. And then um, if this sort of struggle seems too much to bear, Jesus goes on in the last half of that thing and he begins to talk about prayer. He says, not only do you have the Holy Spirit in you, but now you can come to me and you can come to God in prayer in my name and ask whatever you want and I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to take care of it. Now, understand that whatever I want doesn't mean um, like he's Santa Claus. It means when you're in accordance with his will and you're living life according to him and being led by the Spirit... The things that need to get dealt with, you ask him for and he'll deal with it because he's with you in essence. And that this is, this is comforting. And that 
Um, uh, in that understanding, then, of having the Spirit of God in this, uh, uh, this connection in prayer, we, we can ultimately get through anything. And uh, I love the description of joy, because sometimes when you talk about joyful, people get the wrong idea of being happy all the time. That's not it. But the joy that he describes there, he relates. Jesus relates to a woman giving birth. And now, um, I can tell you that I've never given birth. And, and uh, I did pass a kidney stone once, which I'm told, but how do you know? How do you know the comparison, really? It wasn't pleasant. And, and here's the, the worst part is, see, that what Jesus says is that, that and, and I've seen this because I, I have watched both my children being born. Um, there was this tremendous pain that there was no joy in. But the moment the kids came, it changed. See, and, and joy is like that. See, the joy doesn't mean everything's always happy skippy, but in, the, in going through something. And seeing what God does in it, there's joy. And this is a joy that, that we're allowed to have, knowing that God will work through those things. And ultimately, the peace that, that he talks about is because the Spirit is with us and he's connected to us in prayer. And so, um, uh, you know, I love the way he ends this thing, these assurances. He says, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. What? That's the Father himself loves you. And then he goes on and says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. For I have overcome the world. Jesus is Lord. He's given us his Holy Spirit. And God loves us. And because of that we can have peace and joy in the midst of living in a fallen world on a broken planet. And that's what he was preparing his disciples for. And that's all I have to say about John 16. Uh, someone needs to go up and turn off those videos. That's not going to happen. Oh, you're up there. Good. Thank you. If you're watching, uh, Williston. Hi, guys in Williston. We look forward to seeing you. You're coming to see us real quick at Easter. Um, we love you all, and we're praying for you. If you're watching on the computer, uh, uh, if you need anything, call us, email us, write us. We'll see what we can do. But we'll go ahead and pray tonight, and then we'll, we'll call it a night. If you have your prayer requests, please pass them up to me so I can pray for them.